0: Hey, hey, everybody. It's Dana Shea, and you are listening to Real Relationship Talk. I am so excited, you guys, because today marks our 10th episode. That's right, 10 episodes in. It feels like we just started this podcast yesterday, and I have loved every single interview. I have loved every conversation. I am having a great time. And I hope that you are enjoying all of these episodes. I am so grateful for those of you who send me little love notes on social media and let me know how much this podcast is helping you in your relationships. So today I have the privilege of talking to Richard or Big Rich as he's known and Deanna Millantree and they have a ministry called Growing in Marriage. And the Millantrees and I actually met on Instagram of all places. So if you are not following me over on Instagram at Dana Shea Williams, go ahead and do that right now. But anyway, I met the Mill Trees on Instagram and we just hit it off. You know, we have like interests and we are both marriage coaches and actually Big Rich is a marriage pastor um, and they do workshops and they've written a book called Face to Face. And so I have just loved talking to them and getting to know them. So a few months back, we did a Facebook Live on my Facebook page, Real Relationship Talk. And it was such a great conversation. And I thought, you know what? I want my podcast listeners to hear that conversation. So today, you are privileged to be able to hear that conversation. Of course, I've had to edit it a little bit just for podcasting because podcasting is quite different than Facebook Live. But the meat and bones of the conversation is still here. And what are we talking about today, you guys? We are talking about communication. If you have ever been in any kind of couples therapy or if you know any relationship coaches or relationship therapists, they will tell you that the number one problem that plagues all relationships is communication. Now, some people might say it's a lack of communication, but real talk, we are always communicating. Did you know that when you give your partner the silent treatment, you're communicating with them? Oh, absolutely. And so today we are going to talk about how to revive the communication in your relationship. So whether you're married, dating, in a relationship, want to be in a relationship, this conversation is going to help you to be able to avoid some of the communication pitfalls. And if you're already in a pit in your relationship because you're not communicating well, This episode is going to help to bring you out. So I am just really um, blessed by the Mellon Trees and just everything that they shared in this conversation. I can't wait for you guys to hear it. Take a listen to my conversation with Big Rich and Deanna of Growing in Marriage. They are the Mellon Trees. And um, I actually met, we met each other on Instagram. Um, we've been following each other for a while, just liking posts and, you know, sharing different knowledge back and forth. And um, I saw a copy of your book, which we'll talk about, um, of course, in just a moment. But I just thought, you know what, I really want to reach out and have like a real conversation. Um, I'm just really excited for you all to be here. So thank you so much for doing this. Thank you thank for you, having yes. us. Thank you for having us. Absolutely. Give us a, a quick snapshot into kind of all things Rich Indiana. Yeah. Okay. Go for it.
1: Okay. So we're Rich Indiana and we've been married for 24 and a half years and we live in California and we have, uh, we met in high school, did not date in high school, waited until after high school to start dating and we dated for three and a half years and before we said I do. Yeah. And we have two children. Our son is 21, our daughter is 16.
2: Uh, We've been in ministry for uh, professionally for 13 years, but many more before that. Uh, I'm a marriage pastor. And also uh, with being a marriage pastor, we have a, a para ministry as well uh, called Growing in Marriage. And we do marriage conferences, marriage retreats, and all things marriage um, around the country. So our our most recent one, uh, we, we love telling people this story because uh, I just think that we like it. Yeah. But um, we get kick out of it. yeah yeah we you know we're suffering for you married couples yes and uh we had a church call us and uh they said you know what we're in hawaii we're not sure if you guys would want to come all the way out to hawaii yes. and we're like yes yeah that's exactly what we want <laughs> to do suffering for Jesus. So, <laughs> exactly <Yeah.
1: laughs>
2: exactly on the big island yeah so um along in under the umbrella of Growing in Marriage, we have a lot of, of resources available. But one of our most popular is uh, our podcast. We have a weekly podcast. And uh, and you can find it on um, your podcast app. Just type in Growing in Marriage and we'll pop up.
0: Awesome. Awesome. Well, you know, I think it's so interesting that we are um, just the times that we're living in right now. You know, there seems to be um, just so much disconnection. And obviously with COVID-19, none of us saw any yeah. of this coming, you know? Right. Um, <laughs> it's been nuts. Like 2020 was the year that we were all going to be like, oh, it's so cool. Turn of a, you know, new decade. And it's just been like, crazy. so right? Right. Um,
1: yes. so yeah.
0: True. So just with COVID and us being disconnected. So, you know, obviously socially, we've had to be disconnected. Um, and then with all the racial injustices that are happening in our country, that has led people to have problems with communication. And so I think that there are so many couples and marriages who are kind of getting caught up in the in the carnage, if you will, of lack of connection and lack of communication. So how important is communication when you're trying to establish a good, solid connection in a relationship?
2: Yeah. You want to go first?
1: Yeah. I mean, it's very, it's huge. And it's something that a lot of couples get so discouraged by because they think that they've you know, either they don't communicate well or they don't know how to communicate and they end up um, uh, going against each other instead of for each other Mm -hmm. and really learning those, those tools and um, being able to reframe what, um, what you've done in the past, you know, and learn more. It's not something that just comes overnight either. It's something that you have to, it's an art. It really is an art of how to communicate, but it's so simple too, at the same time, just have to take The time to do it.
2: Yeah, I think communication, like Deanna's saying, is a learned skill. But even now, in this particular time, it is super important that you are intentional about your communication. And being intentional means that you are saving your best for your spouse, that you are intentional not to give away the best of yourself during the day, which it's easy for us to do that. Yeah. Uh, some of us are still commuting back and forth into work. Some of us are still sheltered in place. And we can give our best to our projects that we have around the house. We can give our, our best to our children, to uh, Facebook, to Instagram, to social media. But I think it's super important that if we are intentional and we're purposeful, we can start down the path of having excellent communication and uh, diving into that.
0: That's awesome. I love that you brought up the whole, we give away our best selves to our work. And I think that's something that we all kind of get caught up in sometimes without even thinking about it. And then you come home and you're tired and you're exhausted and you're frustrated and you got an attitude. And your spouse is like, I haven't even seen you all day. You know, so why am I getting the sloppy leftovers? Um, And you've given the best of yourselves to someone else. So tell us Absolutely. a little bit, what do you all recommend? Because obviously we have to be our best selves at work, right? We have to show up with our best. Um, so how can we um, still give our best at work and then still be able to come home and give our best to our spouses?
2: Yeah, I, I'll start on okay. this with yeah, you. So I think one of the ways that you do that is you prepare yourself in the morning and uh, on your way home. And here's what I mean by you prepare yourself if we're not taking a moment and maybe it's several moments that we can spend some time with Jesus in prayer and we're praying over the course of our day, we're praying that we give all of ourselves to the office, but we're also praying that we give all of ourselves to our relationships. So that means our spouse and our children and the other relationships that we have as well. One of the big things that means is that we have to say no. We have to draw a boundary. When it's time for work to stop, we got to stop. We got to say, I'll get to that tomorrow, or we'll have to deal with that at another time. And then something that I personally like to do, and I've done this for years, is on my way home in the car, I'm just saying a quick prayer as well, that God, you would give me um, a clear mind, a clear head, uh, that I would come home and offer up my best self to my spouse, to my kids, and sometimes that means that I have to take 15 minutes for myself before I can give them my best. But I want to make sure that I absolutely take those 15 minutes so I can give them my best. So I think that there's there's a couple ways that I that I approach it.
1: Yeah, and there that's a huge thing too is that you know I used to I used to be a stay at home mom. And um, been working for the last twelve years, but I get off earlier than Rich does. And so I, when he comes to the door, I just want to spill everything to him. And he's like, "Whoa, whoa!" You And I used to get offended by it, like, "Hey, I want to talk to you." And he's like, "I need time to decompress." And so we had to really work that out. And I'm sad. To, I'm embarrassed to say that I'm still not a perfect at it. But, we have, but he's gentle, reminds me, hey, I need time to first before I can engage with you. And, you know, we'll give, we give each other a quick kiss and say hello. But when I really want to spill everything, I need to wait. And I have to honor and respect that, too, because I want him to be able to um, hear what I'm saying and to be able to engage in a good manner. Yeah. So,
2: yeah. It, it's recognizing our differences because yeah. sometimes Deanna has to uh, show restraint. And sometimes I have to show restraint and say, you know what? I just got to man up and do this right now because she needs me to do this right now. And I want to be in a position where I can give her that. So it's very much give and take, but it's also understanding that that third dynamic of your relationship. So, you know, we each bring in our own dynamic. Husband brings his in, wife brings hers in but together we have this third dynamic that we bring in and if we're we're wise if we're smart we recognize that third dynamic and we are so much better because of that dynamic right. that our strength is not it's not multiplied. It's exponential at that point, mm-hmm. but it's being able to recognize that.
0: So Rich, I love um, that you talked about these differences that we have as couples, because we all have differences. And I think sometimes we look at each other's differences and we look at that as a negative instead of looking at it as a positive. And so just like, you know, you said you have to come home and decompress. I am complete. I hide in my bathroom as soon as I get home from work, <laughs> you know, cause I, I, have to be able to break that that student, if you will from work and then coming back yeah. into family life and um I know Sean and I we've been married for 21 years you guys have been married for 26 is it
1: 24 Twenty four, yeah.
0: yeah 24 and um so when you've been together for so long sometimes you can kind of take each other's um differences for granted so absolutely
1: yeah
0: how do you advise couples who are struggling with not being able to appreciate each other's differences, what advice would you give to them?
2: That's a good question. Yeah,
0: that is. Yeah. One of the
1: things that um, that I love to do, and I've, this is something that I I've, I've try to practice, but sometimes it's like, oh, it's, I need a reminder, is to um, appreciate him. So to be mindful and to just observe and realize that, okay, I appreciate this about him. And to be able to express it to him as well, and to to let to get in the mindset for me that he doesn't have to be like me. Thank God he's not like me. Right. And that just because he does something different doesn't mean it's bad. It, it's not good, it's not bad. It's just different. And we can celebrate that.
2: Yeah. I, I would also say that you have to learn to appreciate one another's differences. And I think too often in marriage, we are fighting against our spouse mm-hmm. to try to make them more like us. Mm. Uh, and I'll be the first person to tell you, I don't want to be married to myself. <laughs> <laughs> I would be depressed and lonely and uh, and a whole bunch of other things would be going on. So the, the sooner that we learn that we're actually on the same team, mm-hmm. but we bring to the team different perspectives, different views, different opinions, And when we can start to accept those and really begin to appreciate those about our spouse, that's when the the quote unquote magic begins to happen in the relationship. And when we can get to a place where we do that, it's funny because we not only start to see through our own lens, we start to see through our spouse's lens as well. And I know when we first started dating, one of the things that was just always weird to me was that my family, yeah, it was many things, but my family, we celebrated Christmas on Christmas Day. Like, you didn't dare open up a Christmas gift on Christmas Eve. You didn't even talk about it. It was Christmas Day. And Deanna's family, they opened gifts and everything on Christmas Eve. Mm -hmm. And um, so when we got married, of course, this dynamic, she's looking through a Taylor lens, which is her maiden name, I'm looking through a military lens and we're we're she's saying no we do it on Christmas Eve and I'm like no we do it on Christmas Day and like Deanna said neither one is wrong it's not a moral issue that right. we're talking about it's and if it's not a moral issue it's really a matter of preference and comfort And there's a lot of wiggle room in that preference and comfort. So it's finding, okay, so what's going to work best? Because we're going to create our new dynamic and our kids are going to see through that lens. So what works best for us?
0: Yeah, that's so good. That's so good. Well, it's obviously, you know, one of your major differences from what we can see is that you are in in a racial marriage. And I know you guys are in California. You know, I'm here in Virginia Beach. But how has your racial differences um, how has that manifested in your marriage? Has Have you seen that to be a challenge, um, whether it be with family or whether it just be some things that you've had to learn about each other, maybe culture-wise? How has that kind of um, made itself known, if you will, in your marriage?
2: Yeah, that's yeah. a really good question. So I would leave here and say um, that one of my favorite um I can say favorite now because I'm looking back on it. And I think that we have to, and we're, right now we're in a situation where we're going to have some very tough conversations with people. And I'm so grateful that we do get the opportunity to have these tough conversations uh, because we get to show the love of Jesus along with it. But now we're in a place where we're listening to understand. Yeah. I think we're doing that a lot more. And when we first, Deanna and I first got together in uh, the summer of 92, uh, Deanna looked at me and she's like, "What? racism doesn't exist anymore. So
1: naive. And I was so naive. like, oh,
2: really? It doesn't, huh? <laughs> and it was just, it I wasn't.
1: I was quickly educated. <laughs>
2: yeah, and she wasn't saying it from uh, being mean or being spirited or malicious or saying, suck it up and get over it. She was saying it through her lens and what life had um, brought to her. So she wasn't uh, aware of it. And it would have been very easy for me to to get self-righteous, to get angry, to get mad instead of being able to have conversation and let's talk through this. And you come in my world, I'm going to step in your world. Mm -hmm. And now we have this unique dynamic between the both of us that she gets to really see what racism looks like and how that dynamic affects us. And then I also get to see how um, uh, how white America, people who are not of color, would look at people of color and look at Black people or brown people and say, well, I don't understand. Mm-hmm. I get that, partially. Mm-hmm. And, and like, you know, we were having a conversation earlier in the week, Dana, where you said there's not one black person uh, or even white person for that, uh, for that matter who is able to talk um, for their entire culture. We right. all have our own unique uh, individual um, experience and circumstances. Mm-hmm. So it's bringing those to the table and uh, talking through those, one, acting through them as well, because once we're, we're made known, once it's a, um, something that now we know what's going on, We have personal responsibility, so we've got to act on it. It's not just okay just to have conversation anymore. You have to act on it. And I think that's what we do every single day with uh, people that we talk to, minister to, or whatever.
1: And I think it's really key that we're listening to understand, like you said earlier, and to be able to put ourselves in other people's shoes. Because, Mm -hmm. you know, like he said, that not one person can represent one entire culture. Mm-hmm. so um different parts of the country you know different parts of the state are different you know so it's just a matter of just hearing each other and knowing what our struggles are and, and just vocalizing and talking about it because I think right now is um especially important for us to just sit back and just listen to it our brothers and sisters and hear okay well what what are you going through what how can I you know how can I um support you how can I what is what should I not say? Am I saying something that is inappropriate? You, yeah, right. or triggering you.
2: Yeah. 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 It's yeah. it's really helpful if we lead our conversations with empathy. Yeah. Yes. If we can lead with empathy, we will get way more done in a 15-minute conversation than we would if we spent two hours just bickering and yelling back and yeah. forth at one another.
0: Yeah. I love that. You know, it's so interesting because I have these two. Uh, passions that are pair that run parallel to each other I'm super passionate about marriage and relationships and family and then I'm super passionate about racial unity and sometimes it's like what do these two things have to do with each other and how do I um you know not to get in the weeds too much but even from a marketing standpoint how do you kind of bridge those two together but I think just listening to you talk really you know all communication principles are the same regardless of whether you're uh you know whether you're extrapolating them in a marriage or whether you are doing that in race relations. And I love the fact that, That lead with empathy because i think that so often when we come to these conversations whether it be again with marriage challenges or whether it be with race challenges we want to come in with our opinion with our you know our truth and we don't always know how to listen with empathy and something that you know i know that a lot of my white friends have been i'm so proud of how they have been um just coming to these conversations with humility and coming to them um, as learners. I think that's the best posture that you can take, but also to my black and Brown brothers and sisters, I say that we, we don't just get a pass on the humility thing, you know, we still have to walk in humility and it's hard. You know, when people are saying things that you're like, that is like the biggest lie that is so not true. You are so misguided and you want to just, you know, jump in there, but being able to have these conversations from a humble place, it doesn't mean that you act like you don't know things and it doesn't mean that you allow people to, of course, disrespect or anything like that, but it's just coming into the conversation knowing I truly do try to do my best to make sure that I I'm operating on the belief that I think that everyone is trying to do the best that they can, you know, and that's even in my marriage when me and Sean are having a disagreement, you know, I can look at him as the enemy and be like, you know what, he's trying to ruin my life. You know, right. <laughs> or I can say, you know what, I'm going to choose to believe the best about him and choose to give yes. him the benefit of the doubt. And, right. and that right. is the thing that I think if we in marriage um, or again, in any communication challenge that we find ourselves, if we can literally look at that other person and give them the benefit of the doubt and not be so uh, quick to take offense, because, you yes. know, you don't ha- you can be someone can say something offensive, but you don't have to take that offense. That's why. Right. Right. So, right? Yes. You know? That takes um, a
2: mature person for yes, sure. For sure. And, you know, throughout the course of these last few weeks, I'm sure all of us, all three of us, have had difficult conversations with people. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I know that there have been some people where I've got a wonderful opportunity to talk to and we've made significant inroads. Mm-hmm. And then there's other people where I just kind of have to be uh, wise and mature about it and maybe take a step back and say, I'm not going to throw my pearls out there right now because right. you're trampling mm-hmm. on them. I'm going to wait for God to bring a different situation up where we can have better conversation about it. Because <laughs> this whole race thing, um, and I say it that way on purpose, is not something that is ever going to be solved right. completely. And the reason I say that is because race racism mm-hmm. is a sin issue. Yeah. It's an issue of sin that is fallen in the heart of every single man, woman, boy, and child. And so it's not something that we're going to learn new behaviors and we're going to educate ourselves on, and it's going to eradicate racism. All those, although those two things are excellent, we need those things, but it's not a cure. The only cure is Christ Jesus. And so we get an opportunity in our discussions and And through our sufferings, because as a black woman, you suffer because of your race. As a black man, I do. And as an interracial couple, we absolutely suffer. But Jesus suffered as well. And he didn't take it out on those people who persecuted him. He loved them. He walked in uh, patience with them and he forgave them. And that's the call of God on our lives to do the exact same thing. And I, if we can do that and we're patient and we're wise and we are willing to um, stick in it when things get tough, it gives us an opportunity to be salt and light in the kingdom. And yeah. like Ezekiel says in chapter 36, that the, you it's a heart issue. you got a stony heart. So let God give you a new heart. He's going to give you a heart of flesh that's soft now. And then he's going to give you his spirit so you can actually walk things out. Because if you don't have those things, you can't do it. It's impossible.
0: Yeah. Oh my goodness, you're speaking my language right now. I did this video, um, I think it was Thursday, I did this video um on my personal page on Facebook and it's 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 blown up. I I did not I sat in front of my phone and just like shared my heart. I had no expectations yes. of that, but I think it struck a nerve because of what you just said. You know, I called the video uh dear church family. Um, or oh, dear, yeah. what did I say? I was like, dear church people, uh, time for a family meeting. And so, yes. in that, I've been talking to the Christians about how we have this responsibility to be salt and light, and yes, we don't we do. get to skirt that responsibility, even when we're persecuted, even when we right. suffer. Um, and right. that's a pill to swallow because we want to lash back. Oh, I know, I do. I want to lash sure. out. You know, I want to be Yes. And so I think the difference, you know, where we are the church, you know, not the the local church, but the called church, right. the body of Christ, right? We have a different responsibility than the world does. There are certain conversations that people in the world, uh, those who do not know the Lord, are not able to necessarily have because they don't have a Holy Spirit that's empowering them with grace. Um, they don't have that. But we, the called out ones, we do. And right. so I did that video to really call us up. Um, as the body of Christ to say, yes, we're hurting and yes, we're angry and yes, we're frustrated and yes, racism is wrong. And yes, we're fighting for justice. But in yes. the midst of all of that, we cannot forget that we are also Christ followers and we yes. all have the responsibility to shine so good. In light in the midst right. of darkness.
1: Mm-hmm. And so,
0: I'm so, so glad that you touched on that. Um, let me ask you, let's kind of talk a little bit about, I know that we're going to talk about your book tonight, so for those of you who do not know, I hope you guys can see this. Um, so Rich and Deanna wrote a book called Face to Face, and um, i told you before, I just absolutely love the cover um, of your book, um, but it's Conversation Starters for Couples, and Sean and I, we were actually taking a, a road trip to uh, D.C. Our daughter is going to George Mason in the fall, and so on the trip, we're having these conversations, so we're asking each other these questions, and I love the fact that so many of these questions are open-ended. I've like you've been married 24 years, we've been married for almost 21 years. Sometimes you just run out of stuff to talk about. You yes, know, it's yes. like, what do you, do you talk about after 20 years? Yeah. 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 Or you already know the answer. Like, yeah. But we change. You know <laughs> how we do. Absolutely, yeah. Absolutely do. Yeah. We, we change. So let me ask, how did you all come up with the questions that are in this book?
1: Okay. Well, let me just say this. Rich is the king of questions, and so he has a knack, a a gift to be able to ask the questions that get to the heart of people, and you really have to, first you're thinking, okay, that's just a normal question, but they're like, oh, man, he just slapped me on the side of the head, so he's very, he's always been really good about that, and we purposely made sure they were open-ended questions as well. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Yeah. So. When, and, you know, when we approached it, we really came at it of what would I want to know? Mm-hmm. Um, what are things that we have asked one another in the past that have been really rich conversation that have stirred some of maybe the best conversations that we've had mm-hmm. that have taken us to new places? Um, so when we started, what uh, we did was we Mapped out um, twelve or actually I think it was 15, 15 different topics that we wanted to talk yeah. about that we wanted to address in the book. And once we had that framework built, of we think these are the core fifteen that we need to discuss and we need to talk about that couples should be talking about. Uh, then it got really easy at that point. Yeah. So um, and 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 they just they just come they just came. Yeah. So.
0: Yeah. I want to read a couple of these questions. Please um, do. Yes. So one of them is, um, and I love that. You know, this book. Again, I don't know if you guys can see. So when sometimes, like some some people just are not readers, they will not buy a marriage book if it right. was for. <laughs> right, How- right. I-, <laughs> I love the fact that when I open this book, I'm like, look at this, you guys. Like this yeah. is easy to read. And uh-huh. so some of these questions I absolutely love. Um, one of them is, what is presenting your best self to your spouse look like? Yeah. Like that's not a question that you can just like come up. Like you have to put some thought into that yes. question.
2: Absolutely.
0: Yes. Another one that I love, because, you know, I'm always trying to help the couples that I work with, at least, to talk about your needs. Because so many times we have all these unmet needs and unmet expectations, and that causes disconnection and communication and all that. Mm -hmm. So one of the questions is, in what areas would you like your spouse to express more gratitude toward you? I love that. Yeah. You know what? Tell me what you need. Tell me how how to express more gratitude. So I just love Um, I would love that.
2: Sometimes we sit in and we stew on things. And we think that our spouse should know that we're sitting on this and we're stewing on it. And we're thinking, you know, as men, sometimes we think, you know what, I work really hard. And you haven't said two words about how hard that I work, or if you're appreciative of it, or if you're thankful for it, or you admire it, you haven't said anything. And I'm waiting for you to say something, but she's not a mind reader, number one. And that's a perfect opportunity for you to stand on your own two feet as a man and go to your wife and say, you know what, honey, I would really love it if you um, just sometimes would appreciate X, Y, Z that I do for you. That would really mean a lot to me. And she's going to come back and say, oh, I totally do appreciate all of those things. But it's the verbalizing of it. It's the, um, it just slipped my mind, or I didn't know that you wanted that, or whatever. So it gives you a great place to be able to have those difficult conversations sometimes. Right.
1: And I may be expressing my appreciation in a way that he's not receiving it. Right. So when we talk about, okay, well, what does, what, how would you be able to receive that appreciation better? Then he can give me insight into it. And then we're like, Then it's like, okay, the appreciation is not just falling on deaf ears. It's
0: hitting into the heart. Yeah. Why do you guys think couples don't talk about their
2: needs? (laughs) Because they assume their spouse already knows what they need. Mm -hmm. Um, I think there's a a big part of that as well as you probably really haven't done the the hard work in getting underneath the surface and really discovering what your needs are. Mm -hmm. But not only what they are. But why they're so important to you, why you want your spouse to meet that particular need in your life as well. Um, So if we don't do that own work in our own souls, how in the world are we going to expect our wife or our spouse or husband, if it's it's the wife, um, to do that for us? Yeah. So um it's difficult. And you know, we, we use this term standing on our own two feet. We um uh David Snarsh, who is a, uh, a just a wonderful um psychologist and uh PhD in his field, uh and by all means if you go out and pick up any of his books, he is a, a secular teacher, so his, his language is very colorful. So uh, I wouldn't necessarily. Yeah, beware. He's got great stuff, though. <laughs> but one of his key phrases is, um, and concepts that he drills down into is learning how to stand on your own two feet. And what that means is that you're going to take responsibility for yourself, right? I mean, it goes right back to presenting your best self. Mm-hmm. But if you can take responsibility, because let me say this: that's what attracted you to your spouse in the first place Absolutely. where you looked at that man and you're like, wow, this guy plays softball. He's totally hot. He's got a great job. And, and maybe he came for, he's already been married once. He's a great dad. Um, he's really attractive. That's really something I'm drawn to. He's standing on his own two feet and vice versa. You look at your, your, your wife and you're like, she's gorgeous. She is an executive at her company. Got she's got it together. She, she even knows more about cars than I do, if that's mm-hmm. your thing. Right. Mm-hmm. And you admire that. And what happens in marriage though, is we get married and we stop standing on our own two feet mm-hmm. and we start, you know, instead of us, husband, wife, you know, standing on our own, we kind of lean into each other. And now I'm depending upon my wife to make me happy. And my wife depends on me to make her happy. And that's totally backwards. Uh It's not at all what God intended for you. It's not at all what's going to create this wonderful marriage. And there are a lot of marriages that are stuck exactly right there because we're looking to our spouse to make us happy. And your spouse was never meant to make you happy. Now, are they going to bring joy and happiness and fulfillment in your life? Oh, you betcha just like getting a new puppy is going to make me happy and bring joy in my life but it's never meant to be the supreme source of right. that joy that's Christ Jesus that's the whole conversation with the woman at the well he said you take one sip of me you're not going to ever thirst again there's mm-hmm. nothing else that you're going to go to that's ever going to fulfill you like I do yeah. and that's what we're the pressure that we're putting on our spouse in marriage
0: no, that's so, yeah. so good. I love that. And there's so many couples who are splitting up because yeah. why we're not happy, right? Right. That's, right? Whenever I have a couple that are like, we're going to divorce, nine times out of 10, it's we're, we're just not happy anymore.
2: Right. right, right. And I'm
0: like, wow, you know, and, and it's in the church. And there's so many um, Christian couples who have been told for whatever reason that your spouse is supposed to make you happy. I think that if we actually can really just, really believe that that yes, we are going to make each other happy and you should. Right. You, know, you should yep. want to enjoy and happiness and all of that. But if you're Absolutely. looking toward anybody and that can be a job, that can be even ministry, that can be a spouse, none of those mm. things are gonna fulfill you and make you happy. That is right. only Christ, like you said, that's only Christ's job. And so right. we say, you know what? I understand that there are going to be times that I'm not going to make you happy. There's going to be times that you're going to have to go to God with those unmet expectations Yes. because even yes. though I'm going to try my best to meet your needs, I'm not always going to do so. And so if you're looking at me, and this is why in 1 Corinthians it talks about love keeps no record of wrongs, right? 1 Corinthians 13, because if you're always, you know, if if I'm having to check off the boxes for you, then that's Mm -hmm. conditional love, Totally, totally. You're supposed to be growing an unconditional love, which is no matter whether you're meeting my needs, making me happy, fixing my dinner, whatever, I'm going to choose to love you because that's what I've been called to do. And that again is one of my girlfriends thoughts all the time, marriage is for the mature. And that's totally. that's what it is. Like if you are, and Sean and I got married at eighteen and twenty one. I mean, we had no idea what we were doing. It is by the mm-hmm. grace of God that yeah. we are still together because we <laughs> made so many mistakes because we were under the impression we were supposed to meet each other's needs and make each other happy. And us so too. Stop, us too, same as us, yeah. Yeah, and so when you stop being able to do that, which is like day two, right? Right. And, <laughs> then you start having all these problems. Yeah.
1: Right. It's yeah. exhausting trying to meet your spouse's needs. It's like, I cannot be his all, you all know, things to yeah. all areas. because what happens is whenever you're, when your spouse, when you're um, looking to your spouse to meet all your needs, you've created an idol. Mm-hmm. That's that's you're, that's, that's an idol right there. So out of your spouse, which you know, a lot of people are like, well, how is that even possible? Well, it is. If you're going to your spouse for everything, you've neglected to go to Christ for everything. Yeah. And therefore your spouse is an idol.
2: Yeah. Yeah. I love what you said about the love in First Corinthians 13, because that goes right back to standing on your own two feet. You know, you don't do the right thing because it's going to impress your spouse or because your spouse wants you to do it or because your kids want you to do it. Mm-hmm. I do the right thing because that's the kind of man that I want to be. Right. I want to be exactly what Christ wants me to be. So even if my wife is not giving me what I need or what I want, I'm still going to give her what she needs and what she wants, because that's the kind of person that I want to be. And if we can get there as individuals and learn to stand on our own two feet, and like that affects all areas of the relationship, financially, sexually, emotionally, spiritually. If I can get to the place where I can say, you know what, I don't want to. Um, but I'm going to reach down because that's the kind of man that I want to be. I know that Jesus wants me to be the kind of person who forgives my wife, even though right now I don't want to forgive her. He wants me to be the kind of dad that I gave my son my word. I just worked a 12 hour day and my son's not going to understand if I don't go to his game, but I gave you my word. So God give me grace so I can go to the baseball game that I promised him I was going to be at because that's the man that I want to be. If we can do that, man, we gain so much in our relationship uh, with one another.
0: That's so good. Well, as we wrap this up, this has just been a great conversation, but as we wrap this up, I'm thinking about couples because I deal a lot with couples who are really struggling, who are like literally on their last leg. Um, What advice would you give to a couple who's just overwhelmed because they feel like they just can't communicate you know, a lot of times we hear couples say, like, when I say, like, well, what's the main problem in your relationship? It's we don't communicate. And that's such a myth, right? Because yes. we all right. communicate all the time. You just yes. communicate poorly. <laughs> so yes. how would you advise a couple um, who maybe they're trying to reconnect again or maybe they're just overwhelmed with the lack of being able to communicate properly?
2: Yeah, I, I would say number one is, like you said, Dana, I'm going to use a double negative. Um, you cannot not communicate. Everything that you do is communication. Every single thing.
1: If you can make your spouse mad, you communicate just fine. There's no problem with communication.
2: (laughs) The problem is that you don't like the message that your spouse is sending or that you think that they're sending. Mm -hmm. So let me give a quick example because this is a real relationship. For real, It was a real issue for us. So one of my chores at home is to take off the garbage. And so Deanna would say, um, hey, honey, can you take out the garbage? And I'd say, yeah, I'm going to get it. And 15 minutes, she'd say, um, hey, I need you to take out the garbage. And I'd say, okay, yeah, I'm going to get it. I'm going to get it. I'm doing something right now. Um, okay. Well, hey, honey, 10 minutes later, I need you to take out the garbage. And I'm internalizing that, or I was internalizing that as so you'd think I'm not a good dad or a good husband because I haven't taken the garbage out yet. And then I explode out of that story that I'm telling myself instead of, one, uh, and, and then let me go back. I'm also a little irritated at myself because I knew that I should have took the garbage out. I saw it before I sat down to turn the game on. And so now I'm upset because she's called me out on it. I knew that I was supposed to take it out. But then there's this story that I'm also telling myself that, you know what? If I was a good dad or a good husband, I would have taken that garbage out the moment that I saw it was three-fourths of the way full. And so I'm combating that in my own mind, wherever that came from. And if we can begin to talk to each other there, right, and say, babe, I, I need 30 more minutes, and then I'll take the garbage out And it's an opportunity for Deanna as well to say, hey, hon, could you take the garbage out for me? And if it can be done by 4.30, I would really appreciate that. That gives me some leeway as well. But then it also gives me an opportunity to go to her and say, babe, you know, when you ask me to take the garbage out like that, and I kind of hear that tone in your voice, it makes me feel like I'm less of a man. It makes me feel like you're judging me for watching the game. It makes me feel like you're saying that I'm a bad dad and I'm a bad husband. And I know that can't be true because you've told me opposite of those things, our entire marriage, but this is the story that I'm telling myself. Can we talk about this? Mm -hmm. And it gives us a beautiful opportunity to have great dialogue about it. So for those couples who are struggling, I would say it's not that you don't have good communication or you don't communicate. You absolutely do. Mm -hmm. You have a problem with the message that it's sending. And so start to talk about Get underneath the covers. Don't get off of the surface and go deeper. And you may need to do that with a relationship coach, a marriage counselor, a Bible counselor, a biblical counselor, whatever, to help you facilitate those conversations, Mm -hmm. to ask new questions that cause you to think differently. Mm -hmm. And when you do, I think there the the iceberg will start to break up a little bit and Mm -hmm. shelves will start to fall off of it. And you'll start to see that there's some moving now. Um, that's happening in the relationship.
1: Yeah. And uh, um, another thing too, especially for couples that feel like, Oh, I just can't even talk to myself. Oh, we're in the, the, um, a combative mindset at that point. Mm -hmm. And if we are able to talk about admiration and think about what we admire about our spouse and to be able to or appreciate that completely turns our mindset around. And it's like the, um, it's like the, the concept of, are you going to look at a situation? The situation's not going to change. So like for instance, um, if I get up in the morning and his clothes are on the floor and I've asked him many times to remove his clothes because I'm going to trip on him as I walk to the, to the bathroom. Um, if I wake up and I put on my rose colored glasses instead of my poop colored glasses, and I'm going to think of positive things about my husband that he comes, he works hard for the family and, um, you know, he left it on the floor. I've told him many a times, but I'm going to appreciate the things that he does. It changes my, my heart about him and my, my, um, mindset about him is able to, I'm able to deal with him in a different way instead of being dog nagged dogmatic about him and, you know, just attacking
2: him. Yeah. And it doesn't excuse his behavior. Right. Because you need to pick that stuff up, fella. But um, (laughs) but the way that she then can approach and can, uh, because does she have a right to be upset and to be angry? Uh, Probably not angry to be upset. Sure. To be irritated. Sure. Um, But uh, it puts her in a different frame of mind where she's able to address the situation differently.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And I think it's so interesting because most men, they don't respond well to criticism. Not well at all. You know, I know for a while I used to get so um, upset with Sean because he works a lot. And, you know, and here he is trying to provide for the family, you know, and trying to do what what husbands are supposed to do, which is to provide, but all I, my love language is quality time. And so, Mm -hmm. you know, what I was receiving was I'm not feeling loved. I'm not feeling valued. I'm not feeling important. I'm not feeling this. So all that I could see was all of my unmet needs. And like you said, Deanna, like I was not choosing to put on my rose colored glasses. I was choosing Mm -hmm. to look at all of that in a negative way. And so we had major communication problems. And then basically he just shut down. He just didn't right. want to, you know, really talk to me anymore because I was not appreciating what he was trying to do. So when I made the shift to say, first of all, I'm going to stop complaining because he's working so much. And I'm actually going to start thanking him for yeah. the fact, at the time I was a stay-at-home mom. I didn't work, you know, and yeah. so he yeah. took care of everything. And there were so many women that were like, girl, are you crazy? You know, <laughs> 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 but like once I learned that, you know, I need to appreciate what he's doing. That changed everything. I stopped yeah. saying, well, how, you know, when are you going to be home? And what what job are you going to next? And oh, we haven't we haven't been on a date in three weeks. It started right. being like, you know what? I'm so grateful for all that you put into this family. I'm so thankful yes. that I don't have yeah. to work. I can focus 100% of my energies on this family. I am so grateful for what you do. I mean, that changed everything. Oh, yeah. totally. Yes. And so I think if couples could learn, I love that, you know, to put on your rose-colored glasses. And, again, going back to what I said earlier about choosing to believe the best about yes. yourself. I mean, yes. we should be each other's number one cheerleader, number one supporter. Mm-hmm. We should be the one that, you know, I I, I, I did a, a blog post recently on words of affirmation and how just whether that's your primary love language or not, just mm-hmm. how words of affirmation, it's like, it's like life. It's a breath yes. of life.
2: Deanna is so good. I mean, I've learned so much from my wife that, um, you know, because when, you know, your feelings get hurt, it's really hard for you to want to do the right thing. (laughs) And when you're in that place and you're stuck and you're just like, I know the right thing, but I'm not doing the right thing because I want to get back at this person. And in our relationship, right, yeah, in our dynamic, Um, I'm the stewer. I like to stew on things and I can't get over them, um, uh, quickly, or I shouldn't say that as quick as I would like to.
1: You're much better now.
2: So I agree with you. Totally agree with you. (laughs) But I've learned so much from Deanna in that regard because she is that kind of person where she's like, okay, let's deal with it. All right, we're going to move on. I'm not holding anything against you. Let's go. Um, and I, That's one quality that I absolutely admire about my wife that she's taught me so much in regard to about that particular thing and many other things. But that one particularly stands out based on the question that you just asked.
0: Yeah. Awesome. I love it. I love it. Well, tell everyone where they can find you again. Their book is called Face to Face. Conversation starters for couples, and um, I just again I love these questions. I mean, Sean and I again we're we're going through some of these, and there's over three hundred and ninety questions, I think. So yes. well over a yeah. year, if you just do one question a day, this yes. book will last you well over a year. And I just love the fact that, you know, again, going back to kind of the title of this talk tonight is learning how to reconnect with your spouse Um, and even couples who are engaged. Um, I just married a couple, gave them a copy, um, because I think that even if you're new in your relationship or if you're engaged or dating, I think that some of these questions, um, obviously, some of them are not applicable if you're not married, but um, many of them can help you to be able to foster some real conversation and get out of the shallow waters, like I like to say, and really talk about some deep things that really help you to reveal who you are. Um, to oh And so totally. tell us a little bit about um, where people can find you, where they can find the book. If they want to get the book,
2: you can reach out to us on uh, the website, uh, growinginmarriage.com. And that's where you can purchase the book as well. It's not available anywhere else. So you would have to go to growinginmarriage.com to pick it up. It's $15.99 and uh, then also on social media so on facebook and on uh, instagram we're at growing in marriage now i will have to say we do not spend a lot of time on facebook that's not the the platform that we really pour a lot of stuff into uh but on instagram we are on there every single day so we would love for you to reach out and to uh, find us there and then of course if you're a podcast listener just open your podcast player, search for Growing in Marriage, and uh, you can listen to us every Wednesday.
0: Awesome. Well, thank yeah. you so much, Rich. Thank you for you having us. us. Yes, for it having was so fun. That was really insightful stuff. There were so many different drop the mic quotes. I was just sitting here listening again and thinking, wow, you know, I wish I would have known this information when I first got married. So, thanks so much, Big Rich Indiana, for giving us some real good wisdom for our relationships. I appreciate you guys. Well, if you want to know more about Big Rich Indiana, you can find them on their website at growinginmarriage.com. You can also follow them on Instagram and Facebook under that same handle, Growing in Marriage. And you guys, regardless of where you are in your relationship, can I just give you a little bit of hope today? That where you are today doesn't have to be where you end up in a few months or even if in a few weeks. I always say that relationships don't work, people do. So if you're willing to do the work, your relationships can work. And I hope that you have gleaned some information today, some knowledge, some wisdom that will help you in your communication, in your relationships so, hey, why don't you drop me a line and let me know if this episode or any of the other episodes that you've heard on this podcast have encouraged you. You can reach out to me on Instagram at Dana Shea Williams, on Facebook at The Real Relationship Talk, or why don't you just go ahead and write a review wherever you're listening to this podcast. If you want more information about the relationship coaching and different workshops and things that I offer, be sure to visit me on my website at com slash coaching And we will be right back next week with another amazing episode to help you flourish in your relationships. That's all for today. You guys take care and have a great day.